but I take it personally. And I'll sometimes wake up feeling like a million dollars and sometimes I'll wake up feeling like, do I even want to continue doing this anymore? Welcome to Woke Wogs. I'm your host and resident wog, Jihara Volpe, here to navigate and facilitate conversations with the wogs within my community that inspire me and hopefully you too. Now, if you're not familiar or not familiar (laughs) with the term wog, it's a racial slur aimed at Southern European immigrants in Australia back in the day that has now been reclaimed and is celebrated as an identity affirming label. With that said, I want to draw attention to the ill use of this word still throughout the United Kingdom towards people from the East Indies, parts of Asia and North Africa. I want to pay my deepest respects and understandings to what the mention of it may bring up in you. Now for some quick self-advertisement. Do you have an event coming up and need an MC to make it a moment to remember? Well, that's what I do. I curate the optimal flow to any type of event and connect audiences to the messages that organizers are yearning to convey. Sold? Great. Just DM me at the link attached and I can't wait to get involved. All right. In this episode, we unpack the power of desire, why Nick needs to manipulate his actors and how one story can inspire others to share their own. I hope you've got your popcorn ready because it's showtime. How do I pronounce your last name? Kazakis. Or if you want to go real woggy with it, it's Kozakis. 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 Nick yeah. Kozakis, an award-winning, Aryan-nominated film director that has worked with Tones and I, I saw. Yep, yep. Hectic. Two million views on that. Billion. Billion? Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Oh, my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Two billion plus because it's like on top of that, there's the other re- like releases of the video and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that one specific thing is two billion how with many, a B. How many zeros is that? I, it's the uh, They say that it's the only thing that's more efficient to write the word than it is to do the numbers. Wow. Because it's just too many. And even when I tried to write it once on like an Insta post, it just seemed wrong and I had to – triple quadruple check it and even then when i post it i'm like i'm sure i've messed it dude oh my god okay wow two billion, billion. views and yeah. that turns an eye um <laughs> you've worked with fellow wogs who i'm desperately yearning to get on this podcast or wogcast in sushi mango yes with yeah. the orchestrated they were unreal that's like some of the most fun i've ever had in my life oh my they're, god they're great guys unbelievable yeah. and then currently Currently, you've got a movie on the circuit, Godless, as well. Yeah, Godless, the Eastfield Exorcism. So, yeah, that's uh, that's consuming a lot of life at the moment, but it's uh, it's exciting times. It's really it's really cool. Oh man, Nick, yeah. welcome to the Wogcast. No, thanks for having yeah. me. This is awesome. I've been listening to some of the earlier episodes and just uh, finding you know people that I have similarities with, but like differences, and just bringing us all together is uh, it's special, man. It's it, special. Yeah, well. We just had a walk moment before where we were like <laughs> getting like the lines of who we knew. And first it was Bianca Milani, big shout out and great impersonation. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's fucking great. You know, like <laughs> I love that that woman. She's she's great, really artistic. The best thing is when you do it, you already have the cigarette the in cigarette. hand. I can't do it without it. So I was trying to hide it for that. But um, yeah, no, she's like. She's one of the best people I've ever fucking met, you know. So yeah. Well, that's how I saw. That's how I first saw the project of Godless. 
And then I saw you taking calls, sipping espressos at Icon Agency. Yep. And now you roll in here and as we're explaining the whole reality of living in a mansion in Turak with seven people, I know one other person that lives in a mansion with seven people and it's fucking Boffa. Stephen Boffa. Yeah, that's so like and that's insane because like I'm just telling you, I'm like, oh, you know, that whole share community is actually kind of cool. I know someone (laughs) and you're like, where? And I'm like, oh, you know, it's just down the road here, Stephen Boffa. And you're like, Stephen Boffa. I don't even know your connection to him, but like I've married into that family. It's crazy. So it's, uh, yeah, and they're South Australian. So it's like for that to happen me to then connect to him and then you to be connected to him. It's just like it's this spider web of wogs. It's a wog love wog, story. Wog web. Wog web. <laughs> wog web. Oh, my God. There has to be a skit on that. Fuck, <laughs> wog web. I don't know where that can go, but it should go somewhere. Uh, but awesome. I, I, see, I love that shit. I love that shit. And I'm really excited to have you on here. Yeah. Uh, as I was saying before, uh, really the art of storytelling, and that's what you do as a filmmaker. Yep. You ensure that messages get delivered and somebody's story or your own gets told in a way that impacts people. Yeah. What an incredible world to be a part of. So Yeah, I've, I've always been a storyteller and I think it's just because I've tried to escape my own realities at some <laughs> point. So uh, telling other people's stories is way more interesting. And, um, yeah, I think that's how I kind of like drilled into it. So mm, what do you actually fucking do? So... It's uh yeah it's it's an interesting one. Sometimes I get called a producer and all that kind of stuff. I wish I was because they get paid more. Um, <laughs> and uh, but like and they're just extremely organised and just so uh, uh, meticulous with what they do. But what I do is I, I I craft a story. So you'll generally have a script, whether you write it, I don't write. But like I'll take someone's script or someone's idea, and I need to flesh that out and bring it to life. So then that way you've got an understanding from start, middle and end what's going on. And that includes all the subtleties in between. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Is that too vague? Or no, like- that's perfect. <laughs> it's really simple. It's uh, yeah. I, Interestingly enough, uh, you know, in the work that I do uh, for the Man Cave, uh, that's what we get to do yeah. in places like that. You know, sometimes it's helping a boy tell his story yeah. in a way that impacts the room and then getting a, a start, middle and end. And we normally roll into a room and our biggest – ingredient is what is this group's collective story and yep. how do we help it tell the story that we're here to tell as well. Yep. So it has a beginning, middle, middle and end, but it also has a narrative that holds it together. Correct. Yeah. You've got that driving force, but ultimately it's the why. Mm. And that's the big thing. You've always got to make sure that the why is in there to justify the actions, mm. you know, that are taking place. So that's kind of like it. And then you kind of create craft the visual and the the dialogue and all that kind of stuff, and you've got to see that from start to end, and make sure that that way it translates onto the screen or whatever it might be. So amazing! Yeah. Always, I get interested when I see somebody doing what they do. Where did that begin? Like as a storyteller, I would love you to paint the story of Nick. Yeah, and and, and yeah. Paint, paint your household. What was it like? You know, you're Greek. We can get yeah. get, get, get yeah, that with much the, with that last name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so it starts off being the accident child of a family. So it's like I have like 16, 17 years difference between me and the eldest. It's I thought like, you were about to say you had 16 siblings. I'm like, oh, holy yeah, shit. I wish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would have been a psychotic household. Um, no, so it's like my parents migrated over from Greece. Uh, they, um, you know, they were born, raised there and – uh, a very, very long time ago. Like they were living during World War II, you know, that kind of thing. So it's like a 40, whatever whatever that was. And um, my dad migrated over and I think he and my mum shared one kiss 
he proposed to her and then said, I'm moving to Australia, will you come with me? And then they got married here. So um, that is a tale of its own. But uh, they had my oldest brother, Bill, and then the middle brother, Anesti, and then nothing for like ages. And then the joke is from my uncle is that one day my television's, our family television broke. And that's how I was born. Oh <laughs> it's just like God. through sheer boredom. <laughs> um, so, um, but like coming into that family, it was like I had confusions as to who my dad was because my brother was, when I was conscious enough, my oldest brother was old enough to be my dad. It could be a Jack Nicholson type thing where he could be my dad and I just don't know. But um, Creepy. <laughs> yeah, because then that opens up a can of worms as who's my mom and all that kind of shit. Uh, but like it's... Um, no, it was so fun. Um, like, you know, I, I, I had the best of both worlds. It's like I had the modern Greek, which was my brother, you know, mm. who they were the ones that called themselves the Wogs and, like, mm. loved that and leaned into it. Whereas then you've got my dad, who was almost grandpa-like age, who, um, uh, you know, was very much that, like, gentleman, you know, like very kind of militaristic in the way of, like, things need to be proper, you need to have respect, all that kind of stuff. So I had the best of both those kind of worlds. So I knew how to put it on when I needed to and I knew how to be loose when I didn't need to be. Um, but I, the storytelling comes from the fact that I think I was just entertained a lot by television. I didn't have the siblings um, there because they were old enough to do their own thing and do whatever they wanted. Plus I was able to access the shit that they would watch that I shouldn't have been watching. Mm. And I think I was just overly consumed by that. I was traumatized through watching horror movies, like R-rated <laughs> horror films when I was like, you know, six. The One of the first ones was The Exorcist that was a tape lying around and The Fly, which is real <laughs> fucked up to like mm. watch when you're that age. Um, but then... Um, after that, I remember the moment that I wanted to become a storyteller and it was, I was sick. I was obsessed with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and then uh, my mum didn't wake me up for an episode. So I got so grumpy about it that I decided that I'd draw my own storyline. So I illustrated my own comic book version of what I thought the episode would be and that is the earliest moment that I can pinpoint of like saying that's when I wanted to become a storyteller. Whoa. And that was like a visual storytelling kind of path but ultimately I knew that I always wanted to go down that path. Amazing. Yeah. And so you just like full drew this cartoon. Yeah, yeah, just this whole like, you know, comic book in my own way. It was obviously crudely drawn by like a nine-year-old, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do, you know. Mm. And then from there I remember watching The Terminator and I wanted Terminator 2, but then I ended up hiring the wrong one through my brother's account. Um, and, uh, yeah, and I still loved it and I was pretending that I was Kyle Reese in the background so I'd act it out. So, like, that's the acting side of storytelling. But then, yeah, it's just like those little moments shaped me into the person that I am today. That's incredible. Yeah. Do you remember a particular story, whether it's a fable or anything like that, that also was around that time that started to drive your understanding of the power of story? Yeah, it was all the ancient Greek Aesop's uh, fables and all that kind of stuff that I got into. Like, reading that stuff really kind of unlocked my mind because it's like – despite, you know, the amazing illustrations and the stories, there's some pretty horrific stuff that came from, like, the ancient Greek storytelling. So I think, like, having access to that, like, really unlocked my mind at an early stage. It's not 
and as brilliant as Bluey is, it, it tackles some cool stuff, but it doesn't tackle, you know, <laughs> murder and like, you know, people falling to their death from the sky because they've cl- flown too close to the sun and all that. So it's that kind of thing that, you know, I really kind of leaned into. And so it's always been like, you know, pretty mature content for like a 10-year-old, 12-year-old. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, always reference the Greeks and those stories of the gods. They're just speaking to our own neuroses. Yes, yeah, it's phenomenal, yeah. It, and and it, there's a medicine in that. It's it's interesting that a lot of stories of God and creation they're all very similar. Absolutely, all yeah, yeah. follow the same thread. Now, whether that's you know going on Yerva Harari because they've been like um, butchered and, and pasted together because now we all carry a similar story because you know Christianity conquests that place and then yeah. Mongolia conquests that place yeah. and therefore they needed to onboard all the people around to follow the same religion so they could control. It's a whole nother conversation. But the fact that there's this subconscious thing driving narrative and how it binds us more than any other species to move towards a collective goal. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And I I think, you know, all of that plus, you know, going to Catholic school and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I think all of it just kind of moulded into like interesting and like cool storytelling. So, Mm. yeah. So when did the camera get involved? The camera gets involved uh, in high school. So there was a kid that brought his own VHS recorder type thing or it might have been a DV tape but it was just – he, like jackass was massive, you know, and so <laughs> yeah, I know it's like so so crazy, but like jackass was huge, and we all wanted to do that, you know, where we would just kind of like, you know, put a camera in a corner and just do goofy shit just to affect. It was almost like candid camera type thing, but like it was cooler people doing it, and it was unscripted, and um, I was obsessed with that, and it sort of came and went. And that's where I met some interesting people. It's like where I rekindled a love with some, one of your earlier guests, Phil Konikowski, because <laughs> he was doing some stuff with it as well. But um, I let that go for a little bit and I became a graphic designer and an illustrator, but I never had fulfillment there. I always felt like I was limited in capacity so I could follow a trend, but I could never set one, you know, and I could never find my <laughs> own voice. And as an, like, you know, as an artist, that torments you so much where it's like, I'm just mimicking other people's work. So I'm like, you know, three, four steps behind, you know. Um, but as, as I was doing that job, I felt kind of empty. And uh, then at that point, one of my friends picked up his dad's VHS camera and he's just like, hey, should we just go and shoot some stuff for fun? I'm like, yes, let's do it. And I fell so in love with that. Like I could do that at 4 a.m. in the morning, 5 a.m. At the mo- in the morning. Like every every – Every other path in my life, I needed a certain amount of sleep. It needed to be seven, eight hours. You know, I needed to have rest. If that didn't happen, I'd call in sick the next day, you know, whereas this I could just pick up and go. It's like I'd drop everything just to do it. And I realized at that moment then that this is what I wanted to do. So I quit my job, um, my career effectively at that point as a graphic designer, and I um, took up study. And I ended up working in a warehouse to like support that. And I had a really supportive partner at the time, Meg, who was just like, hey, if you want to take a step back, I can support you through it. Um, and she was wonderful to help me out with that. So, you know, and then I just continued that path and I've never stopped. It was like uh, pedal to the metal, kept going. Unbelievable. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. A moment understanding that this is giving me energy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Oh, like when, when it comes to a film shoot, like the feature, we did that in 20 days of shooting and I was 
shooting during the day and then I was editing at night and like I would barely sleep because there's just, you know, like your tent on, on set for 10 hours, then you'd pretty much go home, that'd take half an hour, unwind, whatever, eat, and then straight into editing mode. And it's like I would probably average four or five hours maximum, maximum. And um, I still loved it. I didn't care. You know, it doesn't, ba- it doesn't matter how much damage is done to my skin and like <laughs> the bags under my eyes. I still loved it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's something deeper there. Yeah, it's, um, you know, th- like it meant everything in my life um, to kind of pursue this path because my one and only desire, which that's pretty much the key word, desire is to get this out, this message out. And, you know, the responsibility for all the people that you've been working with. Correct, yeah. Like, I mean, for them, like, you know, you've got like, you know, sometimes 80 people, sometimes 100 plus people, like on a set, you know, depending on whether it's a music video or whether it's like you've got like a bunch of extras and just to show them their hard work, the energy level spikes and Mm. they know what they're all kind of going towards. So, Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that experience is like getting lost in the mess of all the scripts and all the things that we've created for this belief of what it potentially will look like. Whatever it is, is also something that we could have never imagined anyway. Yeah. Because yeah. of all those bits of magic, all those bits of spontaneity that also happened just because you you couldn't shoot there or that person did that one thing a little bit differently and we chose to go with it in that yeah. way. Yeah, it's a, you know, and referencing that, that analogy of like you have a car crash and seven different people will have a different perspective of it. And that goes the same with a camera lens as well. It's like shooting one person one way and then shooting him another way, it gives you a different type of story. So it gives you a different, you know, emotional kind of flavor. So it's like when you're making something, the biggest thing is it's like, what are you making? Is it going to be good? Is it like a parody of itself? And um, I, you know, knowing knowing what we've got, uh, you know, in the can and putting it all together and threading it together to find, you know, so that it doesn't contrast and it's not too polar opposite to find that like that flow that gets you to your desired outcome is so special. And mm. that's, um, yeah, that's like the beauty and the horrors of making a film. So it's like, you know, you've always got to have that consistency and that flow. But, um, yeah, it's it's a challenge, but it's a fun challenge. Mm. It's like it's putting a jigsaw puzzle together. Yeah, crazy. I was watching a TED Talk last night because I was fully delving into the art of storytelling. Yeah. And it was the guy who created Toy Story, Nemo. And, you, you know, you speak about the, that desire and he says, like, the biggest thing for me is how do we get them to care? Yes. How do we get them to give a fuck about what is going on? Yeah. And he referenced like, you know, when you're like just moving through channels, I guess we don't do that anymore, but like maybe we'd walk in on somebody watching something and it's halfway through but something in there has caught my attention enough to make me care about what is the outcome of this situation. Yeah. Something's something's got to engage you and it's um it's the desire, right? Like it's whatever story you're trying to tell, the most important thing is to have that level of connection with someone and it's like to understand the character's journey and even to that point as well like you should be able to mute a film and just be able to watch the visuals and understand still what's going on you should be able to understand that character's journey and what they're trying to achieve you know even just like through translation like if you're watching something that's in a foreign language without subtitles Mm. you should be able to understand that and it's that's the that's the beauty of the script writing process, it's the beauty of the filmmaking process is you need to get into that character's path. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to do much, but you need to show it. You can do it in subtlety as well, but it's like their desire, their outcomes, 
need to be understood mm. and need to be achieved. Mm. And felt. And felt, yeah. And that's when you get amazing drama. That's when you get conflicting, contrasted opinions and they create natural clash. So it's like even when I'm directing someone, it's the most manipulative job, by the way. It's like you actually feel like a piece of shit sometimes. So it's like you go up to one actor and it's like, uh, for example, in Godless, I'm, I, I go, there's a, there's a scene where a husband and wife aren't on the same page. So I go up to the character of Lara, Georgia, and I'm like, hey, um, you don't trust him and you don't believe in what he's saying, but you want to be supportive because you you understand that he probably has a better stance. And then I go up to him and I'm like, hey, she doesn't trust you. And, um, you know, so then I'm like kind of playing them off against each other. And then when they come into the room, there's this kind of clash mm. and you feel that tension between the two of them because they're already in this perspective where it's like we don't trust each other mm. and we don't get along. Um, even to the point where I'm like, hey, beg for this guy to like understand that you're not possessed. And then I go to the guy, I'm like, she's fucking possessed, man. So like, you know, then he doesn't believe anything she has to say. So there's no sympathy to anything she says. Exactly. Because, and it's uh, it's like, it's a real fun thing to do. <laughs> Thankfully, it's like for make pretend characters, but like you then go home at night. It's like, do I do this in my everyday life? Do I put people against each other or give conflicting kind of um, commentary? But no, no, I, I know how to compartmentalise that. Well, what we do do is have stories about people. Yeah. And it's funny what you're doing, and this is the whole point of manipulation, you're manipulating the story. Yes. And therefore that yeah. is changing the behaviour that drives my desires because I believe this story that's going on. Yeah. And then that's creating the conflict. And yeah. it's, you know, in my own life, as soon as you were talking, I'm like, what stories am I playing of what everyone else thinks of me or what I think that they're actually doing, that's they're making me practice life in a certain way that is creating either conflict or moving in certain directions that yeah. is just built on fabricated fucking stories. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah, so much power in it, like what it can do. And I, I think that is also something that you're touching on, the collective story. Yeah. Like you and all the people that you work with are painting a collective story yeah. that then gets put out there and everyone else pulls it apart and paints their own story on top Correct. of it. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, you can never get into the mind of someone that has a perspective of what they're going to go into. So it's like our film is a very polarising film. Mm -hmm. It's like, even to the point where with music videos. So it's like, you know, someone will have listened to the song and imagine the song in a certain way and then you make a music video and it's like, I didn't want that. Mm. I want like, and you'll find people in the comments saying, "I imagined ballerinas dancing around." It's like, <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't achieve that vision for you, but we had a totally different perspective. Um, but you know, even our our film is an anti-exorcism film in a way, and people sometimes will go in thinking that they're going to get the conventional spinning heads, vomiting people, and all that kind of stuff, and it's not that. It's very much a domestic abuse dramatic story. And it's, um, you know, to get, like some people love the pleasant surprise where they're like, oh, this broke my expectations and I'm all for it. And some people are like, I didn't want this. I don't like it. Mm. <laughs> you know, so it's, uh, it's really unique, but we're all humans and we all have our palate and our different palates. And like, I love things. I, I hate things that other people love. So pumpkin soup can fuck off again. <laughs> um, that uh, that's never gonna be a thing, but um, you know, like we uh, you know, that's that's also part of like the whole thing of me understanding that and being like, okay, well, that wasn't for you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Come on, tell us why do you hate pumpkin soup? Because it's shit. It's like <laughs> okay, so it's it's deep seated trauma. So, um, 
being European, you and I, uh, we have the best cooking. And like, you know, so it's like, and my mum's the best cook, your mum's the best cook, right? My like, mum's Aussie. And I'm not saying, oh, right. I, I, I love your mum, but she had a bit of a, a, a routine going on. My yeah. nonno was an outstanding cook. There you go, right? My mum was a great mum, though. Look, can I just put that down <laughs> before we continue? I love you. I love you. Yeah, I, I also love you. You've created a fantastic human here. Um, but like, uh, so my mum, exceptional except for steaks. It's overcooked me. Um, but I, um, you know, you go to camp and you're like a, a little kid and that's the first time you don't have home-cooked meals. Mm. And, um, or maybe that was for me because I was so sheltered. Who knows? Um, <laughs> and then I, um, I then have this packet pumpkin soup, which was so dreadful that I threw up over it. And so now I have three, four days of not being able to go back mm. home and I have three, four days of this shit. Um, and I think that's what traumatized me. So I'm completely triggered by it. I love a pumpkin, but I'm not touching the soup yeah, format. Yeah, so. 100%. No, but, and, and, you know, again, uh, that's your story of the pumpkin soup. And there's always a story rippled into the way that I see things. And that's where it comes to an attachment of that story that doesn't actually allow me to see the picture clearly. And that's why going back to that analogy of people seeing a car accident or a yeah. crime scene, it's my experiences, whether they're traumas or just simple experiences through life that make me see what happens either in a very hyper intense way or yep. a subtle and numb way as well. Yeah. And it's such an interesting thing because we're never seeing the world how it is. We're seeing it how we are. Yeah. It's the whole point of the note behind the note, right? Like mm. why do we do things? Like it's, you know, it's not as simple as like, I want to go and destroy this. It's like, I want to go and destroy it because I had this happen to me. And like, exactly, it's, it's yeah. about understanding that. And like, that's, that's the part of storytelling and that's the part of fleshing an idea out, but it's um, also your perspective of things, you mm. know? And um, you know, this is going back to the whole wog factor where it's like, why did we make it more comedic? Why is it mm. like something that we can now roll it off the tongue? It's not just something that we say. There's like, it, there's so, there's so much depth to it, you know? Mm. And it's like, we, we had a generation that were kind of outcasted for it. We owned it, took it back. And it's been such a victory. It's almost like that theory of Eminem, right? Where he would self um, deprecate in his music. So no one else could. So mm. he'd beat them to it. So then what else would you have to say about it. Like he'd stump you before it was even said. And that self-deprecation we took away from them. Mm. Uh, we, we took the, you know, we took the slur away from them, made it self-deprecating, made it fun, and it's a victory. And now we have the luxury of saying that without having any, um, you know, harm done, you know, at, at least in Australia. Like I know that it's still a problem. Uh, you know, globally, but exactly. like here, we've we've kind of like achieved that status. We we'll change the story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's all it is. We have reclaimed the story, and even then, coming into a place of Great Britain, if I roll in with the word "wog," knowing that they have a different note behind that, yes, and I need yep. to respect their note and yep. their reality of that, and then come to a place of hopeful conversation of yep. what my context is and why I'm parading around that pumpkin soup is the best, and why you're <laughs> fucking sitting here. That's gonna haunt me now. Hundred <laughs> percent. Because one thing my mum could cook was a pumpkin soup. Yeah. All right. I'll have to, I'll have to come over and uh, like have her correct this or like maybe I just need more therapy on it. So it's like, um, but yeah, no, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lovely thing that you're doing here, which is like opening up the conversations. And that way we can start having those chats about like, you know, kind of familiarizing ourselves with 
why we're comfortable with certain things, why we're not comfortable mm. with certain things and like trying to open up our eyes into understanding other people's ideas. And that that's again like another filmmaking thing which is like you look at a character and I want you to understand that character's exactly. journey. Even if you don't like that character, I want you to understand their perspective, you know. It's a beautiful thing yeah. to, to, to in the intimacy of that, like inviting me as the viewer into someone that I would despise looking at the cover. Looking, yep. at, looking at the cliff note going, he cheated, he's murdered somebody, but then the intimacy of taking through his life experience, the yep. joke is a great one of that. Yes. I wanted yep. him to blow Robert De Niro's brains out. Yes, yeah. But yep. They, they slowly and artfully brought me to a point where I wanted that as the viewer yep. and I felt it was justified what he did. Yep. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, uh, it's exactly that. And, like, you brought up the whole cheating thing. It's like that's a piece of shit act to do. Like there's a better pathway. It's like mm. just leave. Or just end it, you know. But it's like, under, then then you break it down. It's like, why did he feel the need to cheat? Like, is it a two to tango situation? Exactly. Was she manipulating him and causing him to feel insecure, taking away, you know, or her or whatever it might be, the character it might be. It's like maybe the guy was so possessive and saying you're worthless and whatever, and she's like gone and found a partner. That's uh, I'm choking on my own passion. Here. But it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but like uh, you know, she's gone and found somebody that's caring and understanding. Mm. As I've stated many times in this podcast, I work with teenage boys in opening up conversations of emotion, yeah? And a big thing that opens the room is when we talk about trust. Yeah. And I'm somebody that has had my trust broken many times. And so how I used to lead that conversation was who's ever had their trust broken? Yes. It's a pin drop moment and people share the pain of what that did to them and the impacts that it had moving forward on their relationships. Yeah. And then I caught myself in a situation not too long ago where I broke somebody's trust and I was snapped out of my uh, note behind my note of what I thought that behaviour was. I was like, shit, I wasn't even fucking aware of what I was doing. Yeah. I had 15 stories running through my head. Yeah. And so now I changed the question in the workshop and I say, Who's ever broken someone's trust? Yes. And what were the motives or what were the blind spots that led to that outcome? Yeah. Like I think the majority of us aren't inherently evil. Like we think that we're doing the right thing by ourselves. And like what you mentioned there, the blind spot of like you want to do something right by someone but you're not taking everything into account and then that that's when you do end up breaking someone's trust and not understanding their path and their journey and what triggers them and what, um, you know, potentially has harmed them in their situation. So I think, um, you know, mm. like the conversation that you've brought up is great because it also kind of identifies how you can take a step in the right direction to kind of accommodate that for future conversations, future relationships and all that. Well, there's two sides to the coin. Always yeah. there's two stories at play here. Correct, yeah. And, and how do we humanise the story? It, at any point, it's not saying that breaking someone's trust is right. It's not even saying that whatever happened for me uh, was justified. No, but there was storylines in me that created a context that left me in a position where I did something that I wouldn't normally do. Yeah. Other driving factors that led me to an outcome that I didn't want to be. And it's just so interesting that in storytelling, when we invite people in, whether it's person to person or whether it's done on the big screen, we can transcend the idea of what I think that person is yeah. and understand that that person is actually more like me than I care to give on. Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes when you hate a character, it's a reflection. Ooh. So sometimes you'll see things that you have parallel kind of, um, you know, ideas 
uh, with that character and suddenly you're like, oh, I don't like that. And then you kind of take a huge <laughs> step back. Mm. But what you're doing with these kids and like the whole program is is so amazing. But like it's it's exactly what you said. It's like you only need a fraction of a story to connect with. And mm. I, I bring up that whole Jake Paul documentary. It's like I'm not a fighter, I'm not a YouTuber, I'm nowhere near as charismatic, as hot and all that kind of stuff as he is. There is nothing that he and I have in common, but his drive and his determination is so inspirational. I loved it. I mm. felt so energized from that. And being in a room with all these kids that will tell their own personal stories, you might have 99% nothing in common with that person, but there'll be something that you'll pick up and that'll inspire you to kind of open up yourself and then tell your path and your journey and, you know, your truth. And then that'll kind of like create this whole domino effect where their people are speaking. And that's the best thing about it. Like we want to connect, you know, we want to network. Absolutely. And, and it's the narratives that also uh, create all our behaviours. You know, I had an intimate moment with you before this podcast saying, hey, I'm actually dealing with a lot of anxiety. I've been struggling with it for the past couple of days. And we unpacked how... You know, we don't hesitate saying, hey, I need to go take a shit. I need to go and sit on a toilet and spread my ass yeah. cheeks and let whatever I ate before come through me, which is a pretty intimate moment. Yeah. But because it's done so casual, it's so normalised, it's just a thing that we say. Yeah. Whereas when it comes to broaching a conversation, the storyline, the one that we're really breaking down at the man cave of it's weak to speak uh, or I don't want to drop the vibe, all these things the boys say and parrot many times in our workshops, um, owns us and creates uh, not opportunity, well, not creates, creates a resistance to that. Yeah. Uh, whereas when we break through that, normalize it, move beyond it, we then connect on the anxieties that you've felt. Yeah. And actually, to be honest, I would have to say that nine out of 10 times when somebody shares a story, everyone in the room can resonate. Yeah. Everyone yeah. in the room can resonate to a feeling of pain, dismay, anger, sadness, and loss. And that's what actually comes at the end of the workshop. They're so connected on all their narratives yeah. and they realise, holy shit, we've all been through this stuff together. Yeah. And then they actually get the opportunity to create a different story in school after we leave. Yeah. It's a, you know, and it's so important to have those real moments. Like mm. when you brought that up to me, I was just like, okay, not knowing what we're getting into the, in this podcast, sometimes it can get a bit more presentary, like where you just kind of have like a less natural conversation. It's like, here's the <laughs> dot points that we want to get through mm. today. But when you brought that up, it was just like, wow, we can be real with one another and actually have a genuine conversation and mm. get to the core. And that just makes for a way better conversation. And we can also get to more lighthearted moments as well, where it's like, you know, I, I can talk about my traumas and my insecurities as a human being. Um, you know, and it's like, you know, you, you've just said that you've been dealing with anxiety and it's like, I have too, you know, like mm. even through the points of where reviews are coming out for the film. It's like I, I know people aren't personally talking about me, but I take it personally. And I'll sometimes wake up feeling like a million dollars and sometimes I'll wake up feeling like, do I even want to continue doing this anymore? But like knowing that I'm not alone with my struggles mm. is so fucking heartwarming. It's so good to know that, you know, we're all kind of struggling through this together and none of us have the blueprint. But if we know that we can just give each other a helping hand, it's actually really kind of inspiring. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's giving people the opportunity just to share their story. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's all it is. Um, and then I'll take that story, exploit it, and yes. try and make money. <laughs> no, no, and no. we're back to manipulation. <laughs> he was playing me from the start. There was no pumpkin soup, was there? There was no, there was no fucking pumpkin soup. It's someone soup else's right. story that I ripped. Um, <laughs> 
Absolutely, man. And, and you know, I yeah, it, it is the power of story. And it, you know, it is the power of the stories that we share. And it's being brave enough just to share the story that you believe in. Yeah. 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 And, you know, that's what, like, you know, not to plug our film, but like we believed in telling this story because it was one that was sort of, that's, it's one that's sort of forgotten and kind of put under a rug. You know, it's like we know about like the possession films and the exorcism films where it's like someone's possessed, they, they, they fly out and like, you know, they'll have like an exorcist, they'll beat them up and then they'll kind of be okay at the end because the exorcist was ultimately right. But what if the exorcist is wrong? And I've never seen that lens. And, you know, we, oh, I didn't even, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah. you know, all this violence that sort of kind of happens and it's happening in the real world. Like I wanted to make that other film. But then when I started reading about people's mental health struggles mm. and people just assuming that they were possessed, holy shit. Like I was just like, imagine being in a room with all your loved ones and none of them think that what you're saying has any legitimacy because they think that you're possessed. And that was so frightening. Um, and that's the path that we took. So is that going to be a story for people? No. Some people want to see Russell Crowe put a cross on someone and see someone explode and all that. And that's <laughs> they're fun and they're amazing and Julius Avery killed it. But, um, you know, we've told a different type of story and that might not be for everyone. I think it's really powerful. I think, you know, for somebody that works in the sector of mental health, knowing what the past was like yeah. and knowing how it has been depicted on screen, like when you go to a mental home, you're in whites. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's all medicated, it's sterile. It makes being ill or having scary thoughts, which I have consistently, yeah. uh, many different thoughts that come from all different waves of ideas, subconscious things that I've seen out there and whatnot, to make it look so unattractive and to make it look like a problem. Yeah. Oh, and then to, as you've done, like take it to the nth degree of like a possession that people aren't believing my story. Yeah. Like what could be more uh, psychotic or inducing of psychosis than no one believing my yeah. reality that I'm seeing? Then you're like clinically insane but the sanest person in an insane environment. You know, it's just like that's like a spaghetti of disaster right there. So Absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And so what impact are you hoping this film to have? Um, conversation is like a big one. I like, I love the feedback that we get from the film. Like we get a lot of positive. Sometimes I get negative and I like to unpack that. I've actually, I got, I got a DM from someone from Russia and she wrote, are you crazy? Your film is shit. And I was just like, interesting. So I wrote back and I'm like, Hey, I'm so sorry that you didn't like the film. Maybe you might like my next one. She saw it and then replied to me and said, Hey, look, I'm so sorry. I sent that. Um, I just wanted you to know that it triggered me deeply because mm. I've come up and been brought up in like a really religious situation and this isn't the film that I was sold because the marketing was a little different and what I got really affected me. And then she ended up following me on Instagram. Amazing. So I won her over with kindness. But it was the conversation that we had. Like, you know, she was like ready to be real aggressive about it. And then suddenly I'm just like, hey, you know, I'm sorry that upset you, you know, not for all, kind of get it. And then... It, she took a step back outside of herself and said, no, I, I didn't hate the film. I just hated what it did to me, you know. Mm. So, But, like, we have a message in there and I think the message is just about, like, understanding and not getting into a dangerous situation where a whole think tank of people get together and it's like they, they rev themselves up to then go and do something quite horrific, yeah. you know. So, group think. Yeah. Yep, exactly that. The whole groupthink mentality can be dangerous and we, we're kind of, we make our stance on that in this film. That's awesome. And it's, yes, the, the need to have different perspectives in a room. And that's actually the whole point of diversity. Like the more diverse of a perspective that we have, yeah. the actual clearer that we can see the picture again. 
And it's awesome that you practice that with that woman who just didn't like your pumpkin soup, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, yeah. It, it is. And there's a, it's so amazing to watch somebody disarm when you just hear their story. Yeah. Oh, you didn't like it? That's completely fine. Yeah. It gave a point of dismantling because they were heard in what they were projecting onto you yeah. that was all her own shit because of what she'd been through, which is completely fair enough. Yeah. And then through you just acknowledging that, it dismantled all those like defences and went, oh, okay, I have yeah. nothing to fight for here. Yeah, yeah, because it's like at the end of the day I wasn't doing it to personally insult her or to personally make her, you know, feel upset and when that – when she went out aggressively and tried to fire and I didn't fire back. And I'm just like, it's okay. You know, like I get it. Um, she, I think she felt like, oh, I'm speaking to a human now. You know, mm. it's not just some faceless thing or whatever it would have been um, in her mindset. But um, I'm glad I won her over. <laughs> so yeah. it was all good. Well, you, know? you, you actually broke, and this, this, I don't know, I know I keep bringing storytelling on that platform to the internal and mental platform, but you popped the idea of her story of you. Yeah. She came in with this whole idea of who you were, yeah. wanted to throw some shit in your face about your movie, and then you just changed the whole narrative because you gave her a little bit of warmth in yeah. that moment. And then her story's completely changed in her mind, and therefore her desire has changed completely. Now she follows you. Yeah, and she likes the film now <laughs> as a as a product of that. So it was just like whatever moment was going on. And, and that's the other thing as well. We need to understand more of that, right? It's like mm. I could turn around and be like, oh, what a disgruntled, grumpy piece of shit. But, like, I don't know what else she's gone through in that day. Like maybe someone broke up with her. Maybe she got into a car accident and then went into this to kind of unwind and then it brought more. I don't know the nuances of yes. her life, you know, yes. to understand what got her so revved up to that moment. You know, mm. it's like it wasn't a reflection of me. Sometimes I do take it like that of and I, I, I think, oh, I'm, you know, I suck and whatever. But sometimes it's just a reflection of that person, mm. you know, so. And you had the space in that moment, which I think I love that you also touched on. Like sometimes I'm not bulletproof. Sometimes when someone throws some shade at me, I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because I don't have the space to really see what is also going on for them. Yep. Yeah, it's so much. It's so much. And the power of the question, the power of just going, hey, like, are you okay? Like yeah. when somebody's yeah, acting yeah. in a certain way, like what's going on for you? Yeah. What's your story? And then they'll rattle off the whole backstory of their whole day and you're like, fair enough. Man. Yeah, yeah, I get why this has been a big day and this film, you needed to watch something from Adam Sandler, not this film, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And so like this whole massive journey of, you know, starting off writing Ninja Turtle things, which I still think is the most coolest and awesome way to get into storytelling, yeah. to graphic design, to then like finding an immense hunger and drive and connection to storytelling. What is, you know, what is this whole journey thus far? Because you're just beginning really. Like yeah. you're what, 31 or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, like I'm in the early stages of being, you know, a filmmaker and I'm, I'm absolutely loving it. But I guess the uh, desire from this point is – like it's it's drive and determination. Like mm. I want people. Like if I'm if you're walking away from a message from this and it's going to be inspirational, it's like I wasn't the strongest filmmaker in my class, but I was the one that was most determined. Mm. And it was that determination that helped me level up. Other people just kind of took a sidestep from mm. it. You know, people that were super talented and you know, as cliche as it is, and I don't want to go the full Nike route, which is like, just do it. Give you've us a tip, to, bro. You've got to just do it. You've <laughs> got to, if there's something that you really want to do, like take that safety net, safety net out and go for it. You know, mm -hmm. like I, um, I pushed and pushed and pushed to the point where it's like, it's now paying off for me and it's like doing wonders and we're impressing the right people and having like greater conversations for what's next and all that. And I, I, I don't want to see anyone give up. I, I want to see people like do 
what they want to do because they believe in it, you know, and mm. if they believe in it, just give it your all. We've got mm. this one chance. I don't want to get into like the existential sort of side of things. but Take like, us there, man. We've Go. got like one opportunity. Who knows what happens after this? It could be lights out forever. There could be something else. But like whilst we're here in this moment, seize whatever this opportunity is, you know, mm. I never take anything lightheartedly. Like the, the sets are fun, but like it's like when we're in the moment, we're like we we go for it. You know, mm. it's like this is exactly what we're intending to do. There There is no plan B. Let's go. Mm. I, like the whole time you were speaking, I had like the instrumental of lose yourself. Lose yourself to the yeah. moment and, yeah. and diving head first into something that you fucking love, taking the brakes off yeah. and going, is this thing giving me energy? And I, uh, a guy that I work with, our CEO at the Man Caves has, has taught me, uh, move with your energy, not your time. Yeah. And if I'm in a place of like fervent passion, yeah. why clock off at five? Yeah. Keep going. That is an indication that this is providing me with life force to move forward Forward to what I want to create. Yeah. And so within that, take the brakes off and go, but then also understand um, the power of my story and is this disabling me on my route to getting to that desire yeah. and how can I shift that perspective to push me further towards to the person or the story that I want to lead. Yeah, and I guess another thing as well as like with the just do it mentality is that I, I hate the word setback because I also believe in sidesteps where it's like, you know, instead of like, you might not get to the desired like path that you want to get to, but that's part of the journey. You know, it's like mm. you need to take a different route to get there. I love the idea that I've had these little kind of moments where I've taken a little bit of a alternate path to get to where I am because mm. it's like I needed to take that to to be where I am right now. It's the hero's journey. Yeah. It's life is providing me a challenge right now and it's asking me to step out of my comfort zone, go and find myself out there in the environment of the world or in this experience, then come back to who I am, the knowledge of the depth of me and really what was underneath that challenge in the first place that created that challenge yeah. and then return with that knowledge to provide me, myself and my community uh, that understanding of myself but then also reflect it onto those that need it most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... um. Yeah, it's like life is interesting and like the way we choose to live it is also kind of like the fun and crazy wild part of it. But um yeah, I'm glad that I kind of get to live like this alternate reality within the filmmaking world and just create my own living organisms and beings and then kind of come back to reality and appreciate everything else that's going on. It's mm. a it's a it's a weird kind of world that I'm in, but I'm 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 enjoying it. Uh. Like it's it's been the best time of my life, you know. Oh, congratulations, man. No, thank you. Thanks. And, and you too. Like I, I even noticed your tattoo, which is like it, I'm like I've been looking for the next tattoo and I'm like, you know, what what centers myself and like what? how do I know where I am because I'm always like in the past, in the future. Like I'm, I'm so there and like that now, be here now mm. is so poignant and so perfect. I love it. So, mm. yeah. Thanks, man. And what you're doing with all of this is like allowing us to kind of find – a core and understanding of who we are as people, exactly. why we exist. You know, it's it's actually really cool what you're doing with the kids, what you're doing with everything. So it's like thank you for being that person, you know. Mm. Thanks for seeing me, dude. Yeah. The whole point is getting people on here to share their story yeah. so we can see behind what they are doing, film director, yeah. what is what is the wog behind there, what is the wisdom behind there, what is just the person having a human experience behind there. Yeah. And then 
being the big mirror to anyone listening to this to going, fuck, I get that. Yeah. Fuck, I have stories like that or I have a perspective like that or I'm not having that conversation that I need to have. And so, yeah, man, it's really awesome to not know you at fucking all. <laughs> yeah. To not yeah. know you at all but know through our hidden threads of connection with Boffa and Bianca. And I can't wait to find which other walkers are on that list. I know, yeah. Talking Alski. Uh, there, <laughs> there was a meaning for us coming here today to share your story but also share in the art of storytelling. Yeah. Well, man, thanks for being a part of this motion picture. We had our ups <laughs> and our downs. We had a recording that got lost. But one thing that felt true the whole time is that there was a lot of trust in exploring the art of storytelling but yeah. also each other's stories as well. Uh, I always give the opportunity for this. Uh, Nick, what is coming up next for you? Is there anything you want to drop in here in this moment? I'll obviously put all your links in uh, the chat box on Spotify or any other streaming platforms. Yeah, so um, we're still living the film. So Godless, the Eastfield Exorcism, we've got like a few cinema screenings. So people in Adelaide, Sydney, Brisbane, we've got some screenings that I'm going to be attending with Q&As, uh, question and answers for some. I said, said it to someone and they're like, what's a Q&A? I'm like, <laughs> question and answers. So I'll be there <laughs> attending with some of the cast and all that. So it's always fun to be in the audience with an audience like mm -hmm. it's so cool to get their reactions and then also get to dissect the film even some people that didn't get it will ask some questions why we did and like we all get to have like a conversation it's actually almost like a, a TED talk in a way mm. um, but like one that you can kind of go back and forth with which is cool so that's coming up um uh, and then uh, I guess the next music videos and films, I'm always doing stuff with Tones and I. Um, Tones is like a good friend and we get to collaborate on some crazy wild stuff. But anything that like pe – I, I also love connecting with people. So mm. it's like, you know, socials-wise, if you want to DM, I'm always there. I'm pretty good at that. I love uh, talking. I love trying to inspire people. And, um, yeah, like I, I love giving back to the community that have given me so much. Oh. Epic. You know, look, yeah. I every time I interview a Greek on this podcast, I'm like, that whole thing that we got, Greeks and Italians, is, <laughs> it's actually just a labor of love. We yes. just love having that good tension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my wife's Italian. So, like, See, now this is what... when we have a kid, I'm going to only like 50% of that kid. <laughs> and that's not the South Australian part. So, probably only 25% of that kid is going to be mine. No, no. I, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm like, you know, the whole making fun of Italians. It's just the passion. It's like, it's the you best. Know, it's, it's again the wog thing. It's like, we make fun of our is self-deprecating and we enjoy it and mm. that's how we connect. That's how we get closer. Mm. Thanks for connecting with me, dude. Thank you for having me, man. It's been a pleasure. Well, 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 well. Would you look at that? You made it to the end of this Wogcast. It must mean you enjoyed yourself. And if you want to support myself in this new venture, please like, subscribe and share it on your social channels. Thank you for all the help and support. Of course, I'll see you here next time on Ooh.